Now, would you turn with me, please, to that portion of God's Word that we read? The Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke and Luke chapter 8. And uh, we read again from verse 17. Luke 8 and verse 17. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known, and come abroad. Take heed therefore how ye hear, for whosoever hath to him shall be given, and whosoever had not from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. And it's particularly those words that I suppose bring together the parable that has gone before that we wish to consider this morning as the Lord would enable us. Take heed therefore how ye hear. Take heed therefore how ye hear. I'm conscious, friends, that we are here in a congregation that is vacant, and not just in a congregation that is vacant, but in any congregation, there is this requirement that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It is, it is a command, it is an imperative, take heed therefore how ye hear. And in the will of the Lord, there will indeed be a settlement in this congregation. And it is good for us to exercise our minds what is needed on the part of a congregation as well as on the part of someone who might accept and answer that call. And what is here brought before us is one such need that is laid upon a congregation. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Now we know that the reading of the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God is something which is vital itself because we know that it is through the ordinary uh, preaching of the Word of God that men and women, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are called onto that saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the ordinary means. That is not to say that there are not extraordinary means. That is not to say that there is not someone who is called from the womb itself, as was in the case of Jeremiah. Without ever hearing, there was that germ, that, that quickening brought in to a soul even there in the womb. But the ordinary means is through the preaching of the word. And the word is, is used also as well when we are brought onto that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
when we are uh, perhaps still strangers to God and to his grace, it's that word that comes to us out of God's mercy, out of God's providence, that speaks to our hearts, that speaks to our souls, still in a time when we are perhaps away from him. It's God calling us. But you know, this word is also a means of edification. It is the primary means of edification. The Holy Spirit uses this word to build us up in our most holy faith. Now, as we, we mentioned in prayer, the scriptures itself, we're told it is given by inspiration of God. Now, that word inspiration in the original, th there is really no uh, English equivalent to it. It is certainly stronger than the word that we now come to know uh, as inspiration. The word might be uh, directly translated, God breatheth. So the scriptures themselves is the very word of God that is breatheth upon our faces. So that when we come to this word, we should feel as if it is God himself, by his very breath, that brings this word upon us. Now we had here brought in this parable, that word that went forth. You remember the, the sower goes out and he sows. Now you'll notice that when he goes out and he sows, there's just one sower. And you'll notice when he goes out to sow, there's just one seed. The response to what is sown is a different response in four different areas. And that's not because of any fault in the sower. It's not any fault in the seed. It's four types of, of ground. And then the Lord Jesus Christ, as he is coming to explain this, then he sums it all up and he says, take heed therefore how ye hear. Now, friends, when we come to the word and when we come into the means of grace itself, uh, as we have it this morning into worship, and we take this word to heart, take heed therefore how ye hear. I would suggest to us that there are three ways that we are to take heed. The first way is this. It is by preparation. In other words, take heed, therefore, how ye hear before you hear. Take heed how ye hear before you hear. This is preparation. There is the, the preaching uh, of the Word of God, as we said, which is God's appointment. And uh, we must hear that. Uh, our shorter catechism brings this out well in question and answer 90. How is the Word to be read and heard that it may become effectual to salvation? That the word may become effectual to salvation, we must attend thereto with diligence. 
preparation and prayer. Receive it with faith and love. Lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. So we are to prepare. That is one of the things that our catechism reminds us of on this preparation takes place before we hear the word, before we have come to the courts of God's presence this morning. And of course, we have to be in the courts of God's presence. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So how do we prepare? Well, first of all, we prepare in a general sense. We prepare in a general sense. Can you imagine, friends, this morning as we come to the Word of God, how we should prepare before we even enter God's house? The first thing we should have in our minds, and I, I know this is true of you, the first thing we should have in our minds is we should have thoughts of the glory of God. Before we ever enter the door, when we are in our homes, when we're in the place of worship, even this morning, we are to have thoughts of the glory of God. What is it that speaks to us? Well, surely it is God himself, the one who is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. God is the one who brings his word, and this is his word. The one that we are told that heaven and earth cannot contain his glory. The one who is so glorious and so majestic that if we were to behold him, it would be indeed like Isaiah. We would only see the hindmost parts of it. The one who is so holy and so glorious that it was necessary for him to be clothed in our nature, lest we would see his glory and his majesty. We read in Exodus chapter 20, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Friends, there was a people. There was a people who in the midst of their rebellion and their carving of these, uh, this, this golden calf had such a thought of the glory and the majesty of God that they were looking to one who was a type of a mediator to stand between them and this holy God. There is a glimpse of the glory and the majesty of God. And friends, 
the children of Israel, the children of Israel, though they knew in a measure, they didn't know the half of his glory. I may have mentioned this before. I, I think it probably might have come from somebody like Stephen Charnock. I cannot be sure. But speaking about God's holiness, and of course, God's holiness and God's glory go hand in hand. He said, God is so holy that it is a condescension on his part to allow us to take his name, his holy name, upon our lips in prayer. In prayer. So holy, so glorious. Our friends, when we come to prepare ourselves to enter the courts of his presence to worship him, have we got that sense of preparation? And have we got that sense of the glory and the majesty of God? We are also to prepare as we enter his presence by banishing away all worldly thoughts from our minds. But as we banish away all the worldly thoughts from our minds, we are to, to stir up and to encourage and to nurture all godly desires. And I suppose what we are talking about here is we're, we're, we're talking about uh, the Christian life. We're talking about, in, in a sense, bringing it into worship, we're talking about mortification. Well, the Puritans used to speak about mortification, killing the, the deeds of the body. Uh, but also they, they would speak about vivification, bringing to light, nurturing, uh, guarding, protecting those spiritual graces that are there. You see, we have to, to do both together. Well, it is the same when we come into worship. We push away the thoughts of the world. But if we just push away the thoughts of the world, then there will be an emptiness here. And rather what we are to, to come and do then is that we are to encourage the things of the Lord, thoughts of his glory, thoughts of his majesty, goodly desires, a desire to come and to hear and to, to be fed. The wonderful thing this morning, see the, the children coming into the house of God. That is what we read in the Song of Solomon. We're to come to the shepherd's tents and be fed and the kids themselves to be fed. That is a godly desire. We're to have godly desires. Desires for our own Christian welfare. Desires for the Christian welfare of others. Praying one for another. 
encouraging one another. Ah, friends, this, this, this walk here is a, is a difficult walk. This, this walk here is it's like the treadmill of life. It's, it's a constant incline. And so we're to help others along the way. But first we are to lean upon the one who is our beloved. So we prepare our thoughts with thoughts of his glory. We're to banish away the, the worldly things and we're to stir up godly desires. But we're also to apply the blood of Jesus Christ for the cleansing for sin. And I'm speaking here about it applied to the conscience. Now we come and when we're brought onto that saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we know it's nothing of ourselves. We know that it is his work. We know that there is cleansing uh, in the blood of Christ as it is applied unto us. But friends, we, we can become caught up and we can become entangled in trying to understand the theology of all of the complexities of this. And perhaps we can forget to apply that blood of Christ to the conscience. In other words, I'm saying that we, we often fail to, to fully believe and comprehend what is meant in the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. See, when we apply that to the conscience, then we believe it. And friends, it can often be the case that as we look back, maybe into our lives to the times that we're outside of Christ, maybe there is a particular sin that that was niggling us. Maybe there was a particular sin that was so impressing upon us that it's constantly there at the back of our minds, and, and it's brought up again and again and again. And that begins to affect our assurance, because then we begin to doubt. See, that's, that's what the devil does. He, he brings those things to our minds so that we would lack assurance. But when we apply and when we believe with all the heart that the, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth from all sin, when we lay hold upon that, when we hold it tight in the mind and in the conscience and apply it to the conscience, then, friends, there is a strengthening of assurance. And that will be a benefit to us as we come into the courts of God's presence. So there's this preparation in a general way. But remember what our catechism also said. It mentioned prayer itself. And it singles out prayer. It's, 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 it's mentioned apart from, from all of the rest. Pray. Before we come into the courts of God's presence, we're to pray. Oh, how vital prayer is. And, you know, you don't need me to remind you of that, how vital prayer is. But it's vital as a component of preparation for worship itself. 
When we come into the place of preparation, we come to our knees and we pray. We pray that the Lord would give us a right spirit as we worship. We pray that the Lord would, would take away any distracting thoughts. We pray that the Lord would be pleased to, to bless the reading of the word, the singing of the praises, the preaching of the word. Our friends today, ministers of the gospel, they, they need your prayers and preparation. And preparation uh, even before you come into the courts of God's presence. These are days, I'm sure, that there have been days like them in the past. But these are particularly difficult days. They are difficult days because there is preaching going forth. And friends, by and large, generally speaking, there is a lack of power in that preaching. I'm not talking about oratory. That is nothing. I'm talking about the power of the Spirit of God. It was said of Jonathan Edwards, the man that was greatly used in the New England awakening, that Edwards, his eyesight was so poor that he read every word of his sermon and he held the, the manuscript up in front of his face and he held the light in the other hand. And it was so that they had to remove the, the gable end out of his church to allow the people to come he, in under and hear his voice as he read that. Now, friends, that awakening is not brought about by oratory is brought about by the power of the Spirit of God. And that is what we need pray for in these days, that the Lord would bless us by his Spirit and by his power. And we to pray for that, amongst other things, as we come in to the courts of God's presence. So there is preparation. Uh, but secondly, there is participation. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. So we're to take heed how we hear before we hear, by preparation. We're to take heed how we hear while we hear. I said earlier on, we, of course, had to be uh, in the presence of God's house to hear, of course, I suppose things have changed now, haven't they? And uh, we, we have other means as well. But the, the place where we normally would say, and indeed in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ here, when he was given this instruction uh, on to those of his hearers, he was reminding them that they were called to hear and be believing hearers. They were to be believing hearers. And this is, this is surely through in, in respect of the word of God as it goes forth. You see, when the word of God goes forth, we, we, we see all of its various revelations of miracles. Maybe we take something like the, uh, the, the prophecy of Jonah, 
what a what a wonderful uh, revelation that is of God's mercy and uh, of God's care. Even when when Jonah had gone away from the presence of the Lord, uh, the Lord had so ordained that it was going to be Jonah that was going to preach unto Nineveh, and that as he was going to preach unto Nineveh, Jonah had to be brought back, no matter how low he had to be brought into uh, the the fold of the Lord uh, again. Now, when it comes to reading accounts like that, we're to believe those accounts. Of course we are. That, that's a given. But that's not the only thing we are to believe. That's a historic faith. Rather, what we are to do is we are to believe all of the word as it comes forth. And all of that word as it comes forth, it is believed when it is accepted in the heart. When that word comes, it might come with a rebuke. That rebuke is not for anyone else. That rebuke is for me. When it comes with an encouragement, that encouragement is not for anyone else. That encouragement is for me. We believe that word when we believe it in the heart through faith. And we believe that the Lord speaks and uses his word to bring that truth to us. Now, when that word comes, and we are challenged by that word, and I'm trying to divide up here the, the challenges that, that might come, sometimes that word will come as a challenge to a Christian. And we are to take that challenge. And it, it might be a sore challenge, but it's a challenge that we have to take. Sometimes that word will come to us, some who are out of Christ. And how are you to take that word? Friends, you are to believe it. You are to accept it. Because God is bringing this word to you. And God has so brought ambassadors, just like Jonah, to go and to take that word. It is quite a thought, isn't it? that when you read first of Jonah, you, you read about him in, in the book of Kings. And in the book of Kings, he's, he's bringing the word unto Israel. And Israel don't hear the word, they close their ears to it. And so God says, go to Nineveh, that wicked city, and cry against it. He takes the word, and he brings it onto Nineveh. That's what the Lord does. No, friends, we are to be believing hearers. When we come and we, we read of the history of Scripture, then that is history. When we come and we read of the prophecies of Scripture, that is prophecy. You see, the wonderful thing about the Scriptures is this. It's history. It's prophecy. It's revelation. It is the final history. If there are historians and they disagree with the Bible, they are wrong. It doesn't matter what qualifications they have, they are wrong. 
this is the only rule of our faith and our practice. And we, when we're under the word of God, that word comes to us and we are to believe it. But we are also in the second place, while we hear, we are to be loving hearers. We are to be loving hearers. And we're loving hearers when we're not engaged in the externals of religion. You know, that can be one of the great problems of our age. It's not that there is little religion or no religion. It can be that there's formal religion, external religion, satisfied with the externals. When we're brought onto that saving knowledge of the Lord and we profess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not professing a historic faith. What we're doing is we're professing that we love the Lord. We're professing that we love the Lord. And we're professing that we believe that the Lord loves us. And he, when we are brought onto that faith, we realize that we love him because he first loved us. And we might not be perfect, and of course we're not, and we'll not be perfect this side of eternity. But friends, we love the Lord, and we are to be loving hearers of the Lord. And as loving hearers of the Lord, we, we love the Word of God. We, we have that brought before us in Psalm 119 at verse 167. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I love them exceedingly. Our friends, even under the, the preaching of the word, and it might not always be perfect, even under the, the word as it goes forth, and it might not always be as we would want it to be. But even then, remember what the woman said. She said, even the dogs must feed on the crumb that falls from the table. Ah, friends, the crumb that falls from the table. If we have spiritual appetites, we can feed on that crumb all the days of our sojourn here. Crumb. Loving hearers. Do we love the truth communicated to us? Well, indeed, we will be loving hearers if we do. But thirdly, we must be submissive hearers. James in chapter 1, and I think I preached on this recently in the, in the prayer meeting. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That's what a submissive hearer is. Somebody with meekness. Somebody who has been made willing. Somebody who has been surrendering to the word of God and to
to the Lord of that word. When it comes to the commandments, he's someone who places himself under that word. Ah, but friends, he's submissive to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, to the instruction of his word, the only rule of the faith and practice that he has been given. But I notice our time is gone, and I want us to, to conclude with this. So there is this take heed uh, before we even come to God's house, preparation. Take heed while we're in God's house, participation. But then we have to take heed after we go out of God's house from under the sound of the word. Implementation. Implementation. This is the one so often we struggle on. In a short while, we'll close the Bible and we'll go out the door. And friends, this is, this is not something that is said to uh, certainly insult you. It's, it's just one of those facts that are, that are out there. I probably might not even myself fare as well. But we are we are told that probably the average hearer can remember 10% of the sermon as it goes forth. 10%. I might not even reach that. You see, there were days gone past when after the, the worship, people would speak about what they heard. And they maybe, the 10% that they remembered was not the same as the 10% that somebody else remembered. And so when they came together and they started to talk, they would maybe remember 20% or maybe 30% or 40%, depending on how many were there. You see, friends, the word of God is, is living. And the word of God is a word that is given to be implemented. And we are told to, to lay it up in our hearts. The catechism reminds us of that. Lay it up in our hearts. I have gone to visit people, and I'm sure you have as well. And as the, the age has taken its toll and the memory is greatly fading, when you pray with those Christians of many years, how encouraging it is to hear them repeating the verses that you yourself are quoting. Much else has gone, but that hasn't gone. It has been laid up in the heart. And that is what meditating on the word does. That is what constant feeding upon the word does. Laying it up in the heart. Thy word have we hid in our hearts, as the psalmist says. Thomas Vincent, I think it was Vincent that said this. Uh, 
that, that the heart must be a storehouse of this treasure. The second thing is practice it in our lives. Practice it in our lives. Lay it up in our hearts and practice it in our lives. James chapter 1 and verse 22. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You see, friends, if we're hearers of the word, we are likely to forget it. If we're putting it into practice constantly, we're more likely to remember it. This is a, a, a preparation. So there is a preparation before we hear the word. There is preparation during we hear the word. There is preparation after we hear the word. The Lord says, Take heed therefore how ye hear. And friends, that goes for all of us, whether we're in vacant congregations or not. It goes for all of us, whether we're in the pew or whether we're in the pulpit. It goes for all of us because Christ himself has given this word. And friends, we, we pray for the days that lie ahead. And we pray even before we enter the courts of his presence in preparation for the worship of the Lord. We pray during our time in the courts of his presence. And we pray after we leave the courts of his presence. Oh, the Lord is good and the Lord is gracious. He has given us these things. He has given us instruction itself. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. Our eternal and ever gracious Lord, we draw before thee this day. We are mindful once more of the instruction that thou hast given us. It's an instruction that each and every one of us can say, thou hast given it unto me. And, O Lord, we pray that it might be so, that thou would so enable us to take heed how we hear. What a privilege it is that even in these days we still have thy word. We thank thee that there is not a, yet a famine in the land of thy truth. So we pray that thou would bless it to us that I would go with us and before us, and all we ask is in the Redeemer's name and for his sake. Amen.